Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. In the last few days of the political campaign for mayor of Chicago, the main event, as I've been calling it, I've also been questioning or raising the subject that Tony Preckwinkle, Kim Fox, and Brendan Johnson are raising in their strategy meeting, and that is what happens next. What happens next to criminal justice in Chicago, since this has been identified by both left and right, moderates, and uh, what remains of a broken media as the main issue, criminal justice and crime, is this following. Politicians have to move forward. Ballas is moving forward on this issue. He's going to be calling into account Kim Fox as state's attorney, Tim Evans as chief judge, and the performance of the Chicago Police Department. Paul Ballas shouldn't be taking the blame for what what has been, I guess, calcified as a dangerous situation. And I can't think of a a better guess for this type of subject than Bob Milan, former first deputy state's attorney, a man who has spent many years in the criminal justice system in Chicago. Uh, he's not a politician. He's not running for office. At least I don't think he is. Robert Milan. He joins us on the Chicago way, uh, as always. Jeff Carlin, our buddy and friend and sound master and cat master and pie master. And uh, me, John Cass, editor-in-chief of your favorite website for Common Sense. One cup of Common Sense will do you for a day for johncassnews.com. So for all that and the long-winded rambling uh, lead-in, I wonder, what do you think Kim Fox, state's attorney uh, Kim Fox, and her patron, Tony Preckwinkle, and their junior partner, uh, the uh, little child of, you know, the the tiny little inexperienced Lori Lightfoot clone, uh, how how are they going to deal with all this? And do they see the election of Paul Vallis as a direct political threat, as do I? So this is a guy who lives high on the hog and he has this Tammany Hall-style attitude to power. And um, it is, it's the Chicago way, absolutely. Look, the, the, the Chicago way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago way. The Chicago way, that's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand. Defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river. Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Rob Mylan, welcome to the Chicago way. Thanks for having me, uh, John and Jeff. Always good to be here. On regards to your question, uh, whoever the next mayor is, 
uh, they'd be very wise, whoever that person is, to have the other elected officials take ownership of crime. This cannot be just on the next mayor. And, the, and, and, a, and a single person cannot solve this issue. Uh, they'd be very wise to, to bring in the governor and the other elected officials that you mentioned and all 50 alder persons uh, to the table. Uh, because there's a lot of these alder Alder people we haven't heard from, right? Some step up on crime and are heard, but many, many are not. Bring them all to the table. And, uh, and if they don't show to the table, then call them out on it. Say, look, I have this problem. We have people dying in the streets with children getting killed. And these people aren't, aren't meeting with me and helping me. And, and it'd be wise for the next mayor of Chicago to hold weekly news conferences with elected officials around them talking about what's going on with crime, what happened this week, the same way they did with the COVID crisis, right? Every week there was a, there was yeah. a crisis. There was a news conference with the, the governor and <laughs> other officials talking about what's going on. What, right. these people that are getting mowed down on the south and west side don't count? They, they don't. They matter? don't. They don't count. Bob, let, let's start with this. Um, you know, as we come to this, and this is a very important topic, what happens to Chicago after the election? Um, because it takes some experience to understand it. Maybe Bob Milan can give us give us a, a sense of the law enforcement experience he's had. Yeah, I spent. I've been a prosecutor, you know, in one way one way or another since 1988. You know, and uh, I've dealt with some of the worst crimes in the history of Chicago. I've dealt with gang crimes and I've listened to dozens of wiretaps of, of gang members, which is how I came up with some of the ideas I came up with and, and what, how they think and what they do. And I interviewed num- numerous, numerous people and uh, I have a passion for it and I'm sick of it. Right. And I, what, what shocks me is that so many other people don't, right. Especially elected officials. You know, this you watch the first eight news of any eight minutes of any news program, right? And it's just murder after murder of dead kids and wounded kids and paralyzed people, right? And it's right. become background noise for most of Chicagoland, right? That it, they don't even think about because it, it didn't affect them, right? I don't get it, right? It has to stop, and they're not going to. People don't get it until a it happens to a loved one, which unfortunately you hope, you hope that never happens, or until this city uh, collapses, and so. Yeah, after dozens of years of of dealing with this and, and having a passion for it, uh, uh, I have some ideas on, on, on what the next mayor should do and what the next superintendent should do. And if we don't deal with it, it's over. It's over in Chicago. Agreed, 100%. Yeah. All right, I'll give you a scenario. Would, would Pritzker, Governor Pritzker, the city council, and the rest rather – Ignore, ignore violent crime, and ignore uh, threats from Tony Preckwinkle, or would they want to continue status quo? I think they'd rather uh, have status quo and just ignore it, so that they won't have the chairman of the Democratic Party in Cook County opposed to them, because she's because what you're suggesting and what I'm suggesting is that whoever the next mayor of Chicago is, either Brandon Johnson or Paul Vallis, call her, call her and her group to account. But can they survive politically if they do so? 
Well, well, this election just proved they will. I mean, first of all, again, I want to emphasize, it shouldn't just be calling out those people. It should be a whole lot of people better be standing up on this issue. But to your point, this last election just proved the crime is the major issue, right? Mm -hmm. So whoever this next mayor is can stand up and say, are we going to continue to have 4,000 people shot in our city every year and and close to 800 homicides or more? Or are you going to stand up and help me, governor and elected and all and everybody else you just named? And if they don't, they're they're not going to be elected again. I mean, the the former mayor from four years ago, Rahm Emanuel, one of the major issues, the reason why he's out is is crime. The reason why this our current mayor didn't get elected again is because the poor handling of crime. What if the next mayor doesn't realize that and doesn't step up to the plate and call everybody in? They're not going to be here in four years. I mean, we're in the time of the uh, March Madness, so a full court press is what you're calling for, there, Bob. And it makes sense. And we've we've heard, you know, here and there, blaming each other. You know, you have the the courts blaming the prosecutors. You have the prosecutors blaming the police. You have the police blaming politicians, and back and forth. And it it all seems like everyone's pointing fingers at each other and, and not really getting together, like you said. And it seems to me that, as John's point, that it's all politics and who's losing uh, the kids who are dying in the street. But one of the things that seems to come up a lot is that this idea that there's not enough uh, teeth and laws or what have you to hold people who are in, in for long periods of time to keep them off the street if they're habitual criminals. Because we see these headlines time and time again is, you know, so-and-so had a gun is is out on bond for a gun crime already and now they commit another gun crime you you've got plenty of experience in this bob how do we get to that point where if you're involved in a situation where a crime is committed or someone's damaged someone's life is taken or hampered and there's a gun there you are gone like you, you don't come back from that there's a not uh hey you know let's give them a third fourth fifth chance it's you know you you had a chance these are the rules don't do it how do we get to that point where people don't have to live in fear that everyone might have a gun on them yeah, well, there's a there's a lot there, but let me just two things. One is whoever the next mayor is, I strongly recommend that they pay close attention to the court system and who is released and who isn't and what happens to some of these cases. And if the right thing isn't going on in our court system, they should call them out. All right. Our current mayor touched on it a little bit, but really never stood up and said, wait a minute, look what happened today. Right. Look who's back on the streets. And and there's dozens and dozens and dozens of examples of people that should not be on the street that are, you know, uh, uh, convicted over and over again, carrying a gun, convicted over and over again of violent crimes, then carrying a gun and are back in the street. So whoever does it, whoever is elected, would be very wise to set up a system where they monitor what's going on at the courts. The public deserves to know. The public absolutely deserves to know what's going on. So monitor what's going on in the courts and call them out on it when things aren't right. But more importantly, really, what's the issue? We have reactive policing, right? We have a reactive system, and we need a proactive system, all right? Whoever this next mayor is and and better choose a really, really solid superintendent of police who's calling the shots, who's not a yes person, uh, t- listening to a mayor who really wasn't a police officer, but but calling the shots on their own on how to reduce crime and get out there proactively and stop it. So- the next mayor focus should be proactive policing and not reactive. Well, I love I love that idea, and I would I would I would hire you as part of a 
public-private partnership to be the CEO of uh, this effort to get this out to the people. And uh, maybe, you know, you can work with uh, CWB Chicago because it seems like the rest of the media is not interested in, in things that we're interested in. And it has to it has to come out. Uh, it has to get out for the health of the city. If it doesn't, just people will leave. And if if I uh, let me go out of the limb, I think personally that if uh, you know you know that many of you know that I support Paul Vallis. If he's not elected, and if Tony Preckwinkle's wingman Brandon Johnson is elected, uh, you know, and and uh, Kim Fox's wingman is is Brendan Johnson. I just think that people shut out, turn out the light and grab the U-Haul, get the van, load the vans and leave. And I think that's why there's thousands and thousands, maybe another lots for sale. We'll do this in another podcast in Northwest Indiana. We, you drive, I drive past farmland on the way home and I see thousands of lots being cultivated for a uh, home. Why are people moving out to the cornfields? Because crime. I don't know. Is there any other reason? The biggest reason. I mean, again, whoever's elected, if they don't realize that they don't solve this issue, that they don't attack it immediately, that they don't make sure that people can't come downtown to have dinner or go see a show, that, that people can't go to a White Sox game, a Chicago public school teacher attend a White Sox game and on the way home not get gunned down in her car. What happened? Okay, okay. What happened to that? What happened with that? This poor woman was shot in a. And she got caught in a drive-by on the expressway. Thanks a lot, Governor Pritzker. And I know that Governor Pritzker and his media friends don't want to deal with it, but she was killed. And apparently, that's where the mutual combatants phrase came to be. What was that about? Where did Kim Fox not pursue charges because? Both uh, groups of gangbangers were shooting at each other. And so she thought, okay, well, throw it away. Forget it. You know, do over. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what the result of the, I don't know if anybody was even arrested on it, but my point is this, right? Chicagoans are ca- crying out for safety, right? right, right. Why we're going to have a new mayor, right? They're crying right. out. For it. So whoever steps in there better step up to the plate and say, I have a plan, right? So if I was that person, one of the first meetings I'd call for is with the Illinois head of the Illinois State Police, the Cook County Sheriff, the federal agencies, all at the same table. And I'd say, I need help, right? How are we going to set, what are we going to do on the south and west sides, the most dangerous areas, and saturate those streets and patrol them during the most dangerous times to make sure that we're not going to hit, you know, 3,500 people shot this year? What can, can you help me, right? I'd use the best technology possible. And I'd step up in, in, in front of the public every week and talk about what we're doing and whether it's working or not. But I'd make the governor stand next to me and all these other electeds you're talking about stand up there and, and be responsible. They, they have as much uh, to lose in this as any. If we lose Chicago, we lose the state. So, you know, these people better start calling them out on it and, and make them step up to the plate and take ownership in this crime issue. Have you ever seen it like this before where people were reticent to take ownership of an issue that they were elected to deal with because they didn't want to get involved in 
racial politics or because they didn't want to be accused of being insensitive to one group or another. And, and as a result of this fear, uh, more and more innocent people die. Have you ever seen it like this? No, what, what I really haven't seen, which I, I just find bizarre, I'll never figure this out, is this political agenda of getting dangerous people back on the street. I, I don't get it, right? You have these, these politicians that push the original safety act, right? You read that original safety act, it's, it's outrageous what would have happened at the streets of Chicago. But the, but, and they, they, so they have this political agenda saying, let's, you know, let's put all these people on the street. And what's going to happen? Who's going to suffer from that? Right. It's the minority communities, the underprivileged communities on the southwest side where more shootings are going to occur, more deaths are going to occur, more children are going to be killed. And it's unbelievable how, you know, if you if you try to help out or you come up with a plan or you or, or you pitch an idea or you get involved and and people push you away and you're, we're only talking about kids getting killed. That's all. That's all. Just kids getting killed. Nobody cares. And it's just unbelievable. There is a, a, a Bob. There is a wise political columnist in Chicago who came out with a phrase, a really good uh, idea. He said, "There's nothing more malleable or biddable uh, in the world than a white liberal journalist afraid of being cast as a racist." And you can lead this this type of person by the nose with a ring in his nose and lead him all over like you, like a pet little bull, a pet little calf for slaughter. And that man, I hate to, I hate to tell you is me. And we, we just, uh, I just completed months ago, uh, the, uh, documentary and anatomy of a hoax about Jesse Smollett. And that involved Kim Fox that involved the, the politics of, uh, the liberation theologists, and uh, I don't see anything changing. I really don't. And the, and to your point, if this isn't brought front and center immediately by the next mayor, whoever that may be, that next mayor will be overwhelmed and destroyed by crime because the people aren't going to take it. Yeah, I agree. I think the fu- I don't think this is an overstatement, but I absolutely believe the future of Chicago is on the line right now. I believe I that. Agree, hundred percent. And if if the whoever the future mayor is doesn't unite, you know, black, white, Hispanic, men and women, people of all all types across the city right. to be to be one Chicago and not just a empty rhetoric, but really one Chicago to say, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to do it? Uh, it I, I think that I think Chicago will be done. Right? If it continues, nobody's going to go downtown. Nobody, right? And then, then right. you know, there's no tax base. And then what happens? Everything crumbles. We just change our name to Detroit. And so if you really love Chicago, if you really love Chicago, you're going to get involved in this. And you're going to have a voice in this and help out and, and move this place forward. But the first thing that has to happen, the very first thing is the bullets have to stop flying. It has to end. Yeah, and you're, I mean, your point, too, about the idea that the Safety Act was going to lead to where shoot, shootings in, in you know minority or underprivileged or underinvested areas is absolutely because that's where it, a lot of it happens to begin with. But the the casualty of it is that even beyond that is that you have these criminals who feel emboldened. You know, you know, hey, my buddy got picked up for a gun crime and he's out on the street. You know, twelve hours later, whoop de doo. You know, I'll I'll roll that risk. And so the the violence and the danger spreads outside to the areas that were 
and you know, for whatever reason, are are better off and usually not experiencing that. And so, to John's point, you see people moving out. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people I know who say, you know, I'm going to stay in tonight because I don't want to be out past eight or I don't want to be out past nine. You know, and and that stuff hurts economically. And I don't know how we how we overcome that without you know, I don't know without bringing in the military. And that's not something that we haven't even we've discussed that before, right, Bob? I mean, you know, we had the idea yeah. of cordoning off the most dangerous parts of the city but even to to that extent that stuff probably would have a, such an impact places where like you know, on the north side or, or the you know parts of the south side where along the lakeshore in in these places where we were used to being out at late at night but w- what is some of the those tactics that might come in handy or you might see being a benefit to the next mayor using to to try to tamp down that yeah. So first off, I mean, if, if this was a business and it's obviously more important than just a business because you're talking about people's sure. lives, but you'd set metrics, right? I mean, have you ever heard a mayor step up in front of everybody and say, all right, last year we had 3,650 people shot and we had uh, 700 homicides. That's not sustainable that we can't have that. Here's our new goal, right? And here's how we're going to do it. Set metrics. I think there should be a day people would tell me I'm crazy, but I, I believe this where you could actually have uh, less than a thousand people shot in the city and less than 200 people uh, murdered. Now, those numbers sound frightening, right? But that's a fraction of what happens every year. So set metrics, right? And then, of course, as I already mentioned, you call in every single organization, the Illinois State Police to help out on these, these highway shootings and, you know, the Dan Ryan and the Kennedy and Eisenhower and Stevenson. And you bring in the Cook County Sheriff, who I know would be would be happy to help in any way they can. The ATF and DEA. You got to use technology. I mean, it's only 2023. Uh, do we see drones in the neighborhoods? No, we don't. We don't right. see any going on. I mean, it's so simple. You get drones going over some of the the most dangerous areas. Uh, it, would, it might uh, stem some of this. And again, you know, holding weekly news conferences. I talk with all electeds. You know, you got to talk about you know recruiting, right? So mm-hmm. we have. We're down 2,000 police officers in one of the most dangerous times in the city's history. It's ridiculous, right? How does that happen, right? right? One of the things is we're having trouble recruiting because of the false narrative, right? The false narrative that it's not good to be a Chicago police officer. Well, that has to change. It's an honorable profession. Thank God for these men and women that protect us, right? The only time you hear them these days talking about how it's an honorable profession is at a funeral, right? Mm. Until one of them's dead. But they better start... You know, that narrative has to change. They should start recruiting college students through work-study programs in order to get them, these people to join the Chicago Police. Provide recruiting bonuses, education stipends. Preference to law school if they served like 10 years or five years. Yeah, yeah great lead. you got to provide great leadership. you got to let right. these people know that you're backed up, you're supported by the, by the brass, and, and that it's a, a place that you can be proud of joining. And you got to let people know that they're, you know, what to, what to expect. If you're a patrol officer, you should have standard patrol ships in each district. So, you know, I'm at, this is where I'm going to work for the next 52 weeks or whatever it is. This is where I'm going to be assigned. This is going to be my job. This is going to be my shift. And you're going to know when you have days off so that, you know, it's not killing you like so many police officers have, have suffered. So, well, there's so, like, much, so much work to do. There's so much and so much work that's not being done right now. For example, Again, I'm I'm harping on my old my old colleagues, the media, because in Chicago the media is broken, as we all know. Um, there have been 
there's a there are groups that have endorsed uh Brendan Johnson that are part of this uh these uh community groups community efforts on police to uh, you know the groups that will choose or think they should choose the next uh police superintendent and uh, I don't understand how that works isn't the mayor the uh CEO of his corp of the corporation doesn't he pick the police superintendent? How can you have a system work where everyone thinks they're the boss? Yeah, I mean, but the the problem is, and the reality is, is whoever the next mayor is has to work within the system. And the right. system is that the community commission of public safety does the interviews and sends the next mayor three candidates. I think that'll happen within the next 120 days. And that, mm-hmm. and whoever the mayor is, is going to have to select the candidate or reject it and have them start over. But if, you know, I'd, I'd strongly urge whoever the next mayor is during these interviews, there's three questions I'd want to know. Most three, most in question, three most important questions. What are you going to do now to hit the ground running for this summer? Right. Are we going to write off all these bodies and, and all these, these, these wounded children and dead children and all these innocent victims that are going to get killed this summer, are we going to write it off? Or do you have a plan for me starting right now on how we can do it? What's your plan for the future? Give me a one-year plan, two-year plan, three-year plan going out to do this. What are your goals uh, as the new superintendent of police in order to address this crime? I mean, those are the questions they should be asking. And I'd be looking for somebody who can think outside of the box, right? What can we do? Not only go backwards and look at what worked in the past, what right. we do in the future. Uh, so this, yeah, this election of who the new superintendent is, is, is going to be very important. And Bob, what, what do you think? I mean, I, as a, just a citizen, I see, you know, some of the names of being floated in the past or people who are coming from outside into Chicago. And to me, that strikes me as kind of ignorant to the fact of, you know, why waste energy on bringing someone up to speed on Chicago's intricacies and, and the minutiae that happens every day. What is your read on something like that? Should we be looking for some someone else outside the city, or should we be trying to be, find someone within the city who's been here for a while? I, I just never understood that idea. Yeah, I think whoever the next mayor is should lean heavily towards uh, selecting somebody from within the department, uh, as long as it's the right person, and as long as that person answers the three questions that I just went over in, in, a, in a satisfactory way. Um, I also, this is tough, but I, I'd look for somebody that's not just a police officer, somebody that has a history of, of policing, but some executive management skills, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody that, that you know, knows to reach out to people to, to deal with some of these metrics that, were, that I just talked about earlier, to deal with the other elected officials, to, to, to let the community know just how important this is to them, uh, to deal with the crises that you know, superintendents of Chicago Police Department deal with all the time. So uh, yeah, I get to answer your question. I'd lean towards internal. I think we, no doubt, we have some really good people and talented people. But I think the the, the mayor should think outside the box a little bit too, and in, in who they select. Agreed. I mean, I don't, I don't see. I, I'm, I'm for hiring someone from the ranks. You know, it doesn't have to be. Uh, it can't be. It doesn't have to be a superintendent type. It could be a, a lieutenant. It could be a captain. It could be somebody who may have been identified in in past regimes 
as someone to keep an eye on because that's how things work. These things work organizationally. Some young uh, administrator is tapped and is known and recognized by the others as here's somebody to watch. And uh, we have to have that come forward. We have to have the discussions you're suggesting on this podcast come forward, the answers and questions be brought to the fore. All this has to be brought to the fore. All right, we're early voting in a few days, and the election begins. And we have to get, Bob's right, we, if we don't get, if we don't have a plan to be, it takes like weeks to implement a plan. Here's the other thing I'd be looking for. You know, the mayor should be looking for and the next superintendent is somebody with passion about this issue, right? I mean, somebody somebody who really, really cares, who when they find out that we went through a weekend of, you know, 54 shot and uh. 12 dead, right? It's a, they're wearing that on their sleeve, right? And they're going to deal with it. And I'm not seeing it. I haven't seen that in a long time, right? And we also need a superintendent who is not a yes person. It's huge. Somebody who's going to, if the mayor is going to th- think they're going to come in and tell them how to police Chicago, that's a huge mistake. And the person needs to say, you hired me, right? I have the history of policing. I have a plan and, and I'm going to call the shots. I mean, I'm not naive. I know you answered the mayor, but you don't need a yes person in that position. I think we've had that. Oh, and, God, too much. Yeah. I mean, we have had it and, and look at the results, right? There's blood on the streets mm. because people just took a paycheck and, and, and stood in that position and let it happen, right? So, uh, not a yes person and a person with real passion to solve these issues. Bob, you, you've talked a little bit about the technology piece of this and how that is underutilized. And it blows my mind because that, like you said, that, you know, drones seem just at this point ubiquitous and should be up and running and, and working. And I know at least for the, chases, at least for right, I know the ACLU will, will, will throw up some roadblocks in the way. But are there have you ever seen any have you seen any examples of that around the country or in other cities around the world that you may point to to say, hey, you know, this is what we're looking at or, or, or maybe programs that are in development. I mean, what advice would you give to the next? superintendent on technology use and, and where to, to get that started? Uh, I think, you know, you reach out to experts in technology and, and you seek their help. But look, drones, we all know about them. We all know how they work, right? You know, it seems like the only time you see them is when you're in the suburbs on the 4th of July going over your right. fireworks show, right? As opposed to being used where, where some of the worst crimes in Chicago occur and the most crime occur. So, you know, this is where you seek experts from across the country and, and, of course, in law enforcement on how best to use it. But, you know, let's just talk about the highways, right? The You know, the, the Stevenson and the Kennedy and Dan Ryan and where all these shootings have occurred every year. You know, drones would be huge in order to solve these crimes and, and prevent them. Again, proactive, getting out in front of them, you know, and uh you know, start using it, whatever it takes. The other thing I always talk about is ge- geography, right? When, when people don't realize how big these high crime areas are in the south and west sides, right? And so the police know where the crimes are, are occurring, most of them. They know when they're occurring, the time hours. So why not minimize the size of the geography by shutting down streets and making it easier to patrol these areas, right? Um, and then using drones and using and saturating those areas so that 
The gangster disciples can't drive into a particular corner, light it up, and think they're going to get away without being caught, right? They, they, they're going to realize, they're going to look at it and say, if we go in there, CPD and Cook County sheriffs and Illinois State Police and ATF, and they're all over the place. We're not doing it, right? The, the gangbangers and the criminal, criminals have to know that it's not going to work if we go into that area. So it's going to have to be a lot of bright people at the table uh, figuring out how to address this. We've talked about that before, the access control idea. I mean, that's um, and and to to your point, people are saying, oh, you know, it's going to be a a constitutional crisis and it's going to, you know, people are going to be upset. But this is a Band-Aid to stop bleeding on the streets every day, right? I mean, this isn't like a long-term plan where we want to have access control to certain neighborhoods nights a day. We want violence is way up. Gang crime is way up. Let's tamp it down the the first way we know how, and it's by limiting this access, right? I mean, right, right, Bob, it's not a long-term plan. Right. I mean, the bottom line is we got to get a hold of it so that the people of Chicago and, and the suburbs realize this is a safe place to live, and a safe place to go. Right. And if you don't if you don't start doing things like I'm suggesting, you know, we're going to be having the same conversation four years from now. And they're not may not be as Chicago as we know it. Right. And so when people start saying, how do you know, you're going to shut down streets or, or do this and that, how terrible it is. Well, every summer I have to drive around areas to get around areas because there's a carnival set up. With, uh, right. Oh. Yeah. And, and I mean, are you kidding me? So we can shut down streets for carnivals. We, we, we won't close off, you know, entrances and exits to some of the most dangerous areas so that they could be properly patrolled. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> well, remember the scenario that'll happen if we don't get in charge of this and t- on top of this. And I'll give it to you. Uh, Law abiding. Constitutional uh, carry people will have guns because they fear that the police have stopped protecting them. And what happens when people start carrying guns, particularly, and I'm sorry because I'm sorry for all you Second Amendment people out there, but I'm, I, I'm of the firm belief that uh, if you're not trained, leave your gun at home, okay? Don't bring your, gun, don't bring your guns to town, boy. <laughs> You know, just don't leave, bring your guns to town. But we'll see. You're going to see vigilanteism because if they're not protected, they're going to start protecting themselves. And children and people are going to be hurt who should not be hurt, who shouldn't be in the line of fire. And, uh, you know, because of uh, 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 a forty-five caliber weapon or a 9-millimeter weapon is lethal for uh, for a long Long, long flight after the bullet is fired. And I don't see where we're even close to addressing that one because you're going to have rapid deceleration, uh, rapid loss of control, and uh, rapid anxiety in Chicago if this is not addressed. I don't know. That's just me. No, you're right, John. I think that's, you know, I don't think more guns are ever the, in everybody's hands are ever the right answer because it's like you said, training is not uh, not uniform. People don't, don't know what they're doing, and it takes a lot to to be you know competent in the moment. Uh, Bob, I think we've probably taken a ton of your time this morning. I, um, John, you got anything else for him? Bob, uh, as we the, as the city of Chicago, I, not me. I've already left, and I didn't want to leave, but I was forced out of my own city. Uh, I've, I'm a refugee from what was once the greatest city on earth. 
And uh, because basically I didn't, you know why, Bob? I didn't want to bring a stick to the Walgreens parking lot to get a, to get uh, my insulin, all right? And that was going to happen. And I didn't want that to happen. Anyway. You left the animal early. <laughs> I, left, I, left, I left Fort Apache. I got to watch yeah. that again. So, Bob Milan, thanks for being here yeah, on the Chicago Way. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you. For Bob Milan, longtime prosecutor in Cook County, experienced law enforcement officer with many great ideas, including how the next mayor should be calling out the, all the stakeholders. Don't let them hide. Because Chicago Chicago's is worthy of saving, then they have to stand up for it and not just give us platitudes. And for Jeff Carlin, who I I must say has been extremely thoughtful in this uh, on this topic, has brought us to great understanding, and uh, I've seen somewhat of a transformation between uh, of Jeff Carlin on this issue because he cares as much as anyone, uh, about the children who are forgotten and shot and become background noise. And for me, John Cass, editor-in-chief of John Cass News, your favorite website for common sense. And we hope to talk to you again soon, because the next time we talk, we'll be that much closer to Judgment Day. Will Chicago survive? Or will it collapse? Thanks for listening, everyone, to the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+.